Today we continue the message series, Experiencing the Goodness of God. And I want to just give you a reminder of something that we've been talking about during this series, that our God is a really, really good God, and everything that He does is good. Experiencing the goodness of God. And I pray that this is going to be real in your life today. Well, our journey has been taking us through the most famous chapter in all of the Bible, Psalm 23. And we're going back there in just a couple of moments. But I want to go ahead and declare to you right up front so that you're mentally and emotionally prepared for what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about guidance today. How do we get guidance from God? And I think this is going to be practical for you. I think that we're going to talk about some things that are going to be helpful to you in your life. And uh, we're going to get into that. But uh, I want to just start right here. And uh, something that uh, while I was studying and researching and working on this talk, uh, you know, I just wanted to begin this way by saying that your life and my life is a series of choices. Let me say that again. Our life is made up. It's comprised of a series of choices that we are constantly making in our life. Now, every single day, and you know this, every single day you are making decisions. And admittedly, many of your ongoing decisions are relatively small. Thank God we're not having to make big, mammoth, gargantuan decisions every day of our life. In fact, in the course of a normal day, you're making a lot of decisions, but admittedly, they're smaller decisions. For example, uh, you had to decide this morning, were you going to hit the snooze button when your alarm went off? Did you? And a follow-up to that would be, well, how many times did you hit the snooze button? Well, that was a choice. I'm either going to jump out of bed and get moving now, or I'm going to hit the snooze button. Here's another choice. What will I wear? And you're watching online, so some of you are saying, I'm not really concerned about that right now. I'm just, I didn't have a big decision to make. I'm wearing what I'm wearing to watch this service. How about this one? What will I eat? What am I going to eat today? Now, for me, Jesus wants me to eat Chick-fil-A six mornings a week. Now, maybe that's not Jesus. Maybe that's Jeff. But uh, you got to make a decision. It's not a big decision. It's not huge. It's not massive. But it's a decision. Will I go to the gym this morning or this afternoon? Am I going to go shopping? Or am I going to, you know, go the day after the day after that? Will I work in the yard today? And again, these, and we're clear on this, you don't need me to tell you, that these are not life-defining decisions. They're small, incremental decisions that we're making every single day. But, they're, but that is not the totality of our decision-making. It simply is not. You and I are going to make some big decisions. We've got some huge choices that we're going to make in our life. And as we all know, every decision has a consequence. Let me say that again. Every big decision that we make, we have a consequence to that. For example, and let me give you some examples on, on this portion. Here's a big decision that you have made or you will have to make or you're in the process of making. What will I study as I pursue and further my education? What am I going to study? What is my focus on that going to be? Or how about this? Where will I work? Maybe you've got a skill set. Maybe you've got a talent, your, your ability, and it provides you with uh, some different options as to where you can work. It's not like this is the only place I can work. Where will you work? How about this one? Where will you live? Here's a big one. Who will I marry? And then if you're married, like, you know, will we have children? And, you know, how many children will we have? 
And if we're unable to have children, are we going to consider adoption? So these are all big decisions. Uh, You're going to have to make uh, multiple financial decisions in your life. These are big decisions. And whether you're conscious of it or not, you will choose where you will spend eternity. Now, God through Christ has made it possible for us to spend eternity in heaven with God, with Jesus, with our loved ones that have gone before us who are in heaven. And, but, but you and I, we'll make a decision concerning that. And In fact, can I just say this, that if we make no decision, that is in fact a decision that we've made. If we make no decision, I'm not going to do anything with Jesus. I'm not going to give Jesus serious thought. I'm not going to receive Jesus. I'm going to pursue my life, do my thing, hope it all works out in the end, that in fact is a a decision. And that is the biggest decision that we will ever make in our entire life. Do we say yes to Jesus, yes to eternity, or do we say no to Jesus? Now, here is another choice that you get to make, I get to make. It's this choice. Will we navigate the journey, this journey in life, will we navigate it on our own, or will we experience the goodness of God? Will we invite God? Will we allow God to give guidance in our life? You know by now, if you've been a part of this series, how Psalm 23 begins. It begins this way, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I mentioned this to you last week. As our shepherd, this is what he does, primarily three things. He feeds us, he leads us, he protects us. He feeds, he leads, he protects. Now, Today, we're going to talk about how does he lead us? How does he guide us? And I want to just say uh, right up front, uh, because these are really big things, and we'll take a little time to talk about them, uh, not a whole lot, but, but God has given to us his word. See, the Bible is a roadmap for your life. God gives us direction. He gives us wisdom. He gives us counsel in his word. God gives to us his word. His word is a roadmap for our life. But he has also given to us his Holy Spirit. See, God sent Jesus into the world. Jesus said when he was going to send back to the Father, he said, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And one of the things, among many things that the Holy Spirit does, is the Holy Spirit is like a personal guidance counselor. He gives us direction. He shows us. He leads us. And we're going to get more specific about that in just a couple of moments. But I want to go back to Psalm 23, and I want you to join me. So we're going to begin at at verse 1. All right, here we go. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. We've talked about that by now. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You remember the week when we talked about that? Many of you will. He restores my soul. We talked about that last week. Now, this is what we're going to focus on today. You see the highlighted phrase here. He guides me. The Lord is my shepherd. What does he do? He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. One of the things that a good God does, one of the things that the Lord who is our shepherd does is he guides us. He guides us. He gives us direction because he's a really good God. He wants to lead and guide us along the right path. He leads me the psalmist said, in paths of righteousness for his namesake, he wants me to be in the right path. Whatever path you're on and stay on is going to lead you to that destination. He wants to lead us. He wants to keep us on the right path if we're already on the right path. And if we're not on the right path, he wants us to get on the right path and he will lead us accordingly. Now, One of the evidences of you and I being in a right and personal relationship with God is having his guidance. See, if you or I choose to ignore God, 
If we say, well, I'm just going to reject God, then how in the world can we have his guidance? We can't. He can't lead us if we're ignoring him or rejecting him. Here's a verse out of the New Testament. Uh, Paul said this actually uh, to some Roman believers. Romans 8, 14, he said, only those people who are led by God's Spirit are his children. Look at that again. In fact, would you read this out loud with me? Only those people who are led by God's Spirit are his children. That's a benefit of being a child of God. We're going to be led by God's Spirit. If you're not a Christian yet, if you're not, you know, invited Christ to become the Savior and the leader of your life, I encourage you to do so. There's so many benefits to that, not just by going to heaven, but so many benefits in this life where God's going to give you a, a, a sense of peace and joy. He's going to give you guidance and direction in your life. Well, I want to take some time together with you today, again, making this very practical. I want to share with you uh, some things that, quite simply, we need to stop doing. We just need, if we're going to be guided by God, if we're going to allow the Lord, who is our shepherd, to lead us on paths of righteousness, uh, quite simply, there's some things we've just got to stop doing. And I'm going to mention four of them. We'll make it real practical. But then there's some things that we need to start doing or continue doing. And so I'd like to deal with the negative first. I want to end on a positive note. So let me give you four right here. What are four things that you and I need to stop doing if we're doing these things? Number one, are you ready to get some notes? I want you to get this down. I think it will help you. Number one, here's something we need to stop doing. We must stop being led by our culture. We must stop being led by our culture. See, we cannot follow a culture if that culture is not following God. But, but we have this sense about us, but I want to be accepted. I, I want to fit in. You know, I want to belong. I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm at, out of step with culture. But friends, by nature of following Jesus, many times, if a culture, uh, which it is in many respects, is not following after God, then you and I cannot be led by our culture. We've got a decision to make. Am I going to be led by culture or am I going to be led by God? Do you know, and I'm not going to spend much time here, but when you go all the way back to Old Testament Israel, here's what they struggled with for hundreds of years. This whole other message, and I'm not going to get into it, but I do want to reference it here. One of the primary struggles that Old Testament Israel had that perpetuated itself in their lives for many, many generations was this. It was always this sense of, we want to be like all the other nations. You know, God had, had said, here's what I'm going to do. I want to make you my covenant, my relation, uh, my covenant relationship people. But they're like, okay, God, but we want to be like all the other nations. We want to be like all the other cultures. We'd rather do it their way than your way. Uh, look, at these, uh, look at this verse right here. This too is in, in Romans, so it's still Paul, obviously. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. How does God transform us into a new person? By changing the way that you think. Look at this phrase right here. Then you will learn to know God's will. 
How does God transform you into a new person? Changing the way you think. When he changes the way you think, then you're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good. A good God gives you a good will, pleasing and perfect will for your life. That's what God has for your life. That's what he intends for you. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure. I know this. It's true for your life and my life to conform to our culture. This is not just true for students who are in school. This is true for you and for me to conform to our culture. But as we saw here in Romans 12 too, when God transforms our thinking, he transforms us. How does he do it? By transforming our thinking, then it becomes so much easier to know and to do God's will. So first of all, what do we need to stop doing? We need to stop being led by our culture. Number two, we must stop being led by our friends. Our friends. You're like, what are you talking about? We must stop being led by our friends. And again, I'm not going to take long on any of these, but I do want to speak to this for just a moment. If our friends, your friends and my friends, and we have people that are probably on both sides of this equation. If we have friends that are moving in one direction and God is moving in a different direction, then we have a choice to make. If we have friends that are just saying, doesn't mean they can't be our friends, but if we have friends that they're going in a direction that is separate from the direction that God is moving in and that God wants us to move in, then we've got to decide. See, you and I cannot allow our friends to set the agenda for our life. We can't. We can love them, we can be with them, we can socialize with them, but we cannot allow our friends to set the agenda for our life. We've got to allow God to do that. We've got to allow God to do that. Look at uh, this verse right here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7. Dear children, dear children, do not let anyone lead you the wrong way. For some of you, that's a phrase that you need to hang on. If you got nothing else out of this talk today, this is what you need. Do not let anyone lead you the, lo- the wrong way. Christ is all that is right. So to be like Christ, a person must do what is right. 1 John 3, 7. That's exactly what it says. Now, does this mean, because I know what some of you are already thinking. You're like, well, does that mean that I cannot have any friends that are non-Christians? Do I have to give up my non-Christian friendships? Not at all. (laughs) I'm not saying that at all. We just have to decide, and I'll state it this way, we just have to decide whether we're going to be a thermostat or a thermometer. And you're like, what are you talking about? See, a thermostat, you know what a thermostat does. A thermostat will either turn the heat up or turn it down. It, it, it influences the environment. On the other hand, a thermometer is just the opposite of that. A thermometer simply reflects the temperature of the environment. Now, you know, a thermometer does one thing and a thermostat does another. And you and I, we just need to make the decision that we're going to be, we're going to be a, a, ther, a, a thermostat. We're, we're not going to be so influenced. We're going to be with God's help and by God's grace, an influencer. Look at John, uh, Jeremiah chapter 15. Look at this uh, verse right here. This is what God was saying to the prophet. You will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. So am I saying that you or I, because I've got friends that are Christians, passionate followers of Jesus, and I've got friends that, that are not Christians, don't claim to be Christians at all. Well, does it mean they can't be my friend? Not at all. It just means that I need to, with God's grace and God's love and God's compassion, work harder to influence them than how they would influence me if they're going to influence me to go in the wrong direction. So I think that's clear to you. Let's move on. Number three, what must we stop doing? We must stop being led by our circumstances. 
by our circumstances. See, it's dangerous to allow our circumstances to determine God's will for our lives. That's, that's not what you and I ought to do. But we'd say, but it was an open door, and every open door has got to be provided by God, right? Every open door is an indicator that God has opened the door. Well, listen, it's not always true. Open doors are not always synonymous with God's best plan for your life. Can I put it this way? It could. Some open doors. Now, some open doors, yes. Some open doors, it's a door that God is open. It's a part of God's plan, a good God, part of his good plan, his perfect plan for our life. So, yes, God opens doors for us. But is it accurate to say that every door that is ever open to us is open by God? No, it could potentially be a, a trap by the evil one. And I'll just give you a quick example. What about Jonah in the Old Testament? God wanted him to go to Nineveh, but he didn't like the Ninevites. He couldn't stand. He despised the Ninevites. So he had a different plan that was not part of God's plan. Now listen, did he have an open door? He had an open door. Yes, he had an open door to sell in a completely different direction. He was not going to head toward Nineveh. Instead, he wanted to go to Tarshish. Guess what? There was an open door. There was a vacant seat. There was a ticket that could be purchased. He had the money to purchase the ticket to go in a direction that was completely opposite of what God wanted him to do. Now, Jonah could have said, hey, it was an open door. Therefore, unmistakably, it had to have been opened by God. But it was not. That open door led him in a completely different direction. So we cannot be led by our circumstances. Number four, we must not be led by our feelings. Let me say that again. We must not be led by our feelings. I mentioned this recently, that our emotions and our feelings will often lie to us. They're temporary. Our feelings and emotions are often, you know, it can swing. I remember Dr. James Dobbs, a lot of you know that name from Focus on the Family. He said in a course of a day, and I think he put a number to it, how many different times our emotions and feelings would, would swing up and down patterns. And so you and I can't say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make big, bold decisions out of my emotions or out of my feelings. And, uh, you know, I've heard it said, I don't think you probably said this, but, but some people would say, but what about, what about this verse but let your conscience be your guide. Pastor Jeff, let your conscience be your guide. And some people have stated that as though, you know, that was like in the Bible. Let your conscience, you've heard that, but where did it come from? Did Jesus say that? Was it Jesus? Was he the author, the, 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 was he the person that said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let your conscience be your guide. J did Jesus say that? It wasn't Jesus. Was it John? Maybe it was the Apostle John. Did John say, well, let your conscience be your guide? It wasn't John. Do you know who it actually was? You can check that out if, later if you want. It wasn't Jesus, and it wasn't John. It was Jiminy the Cricket saying to Pinocchio, that's where it came from. Your conscience be your guide. Our conscience is not, our, our conscience, our emotions. You know, the Bible says even at times our heart can be deceitfully wicked. Look at this verse right here. This is Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 12 says, you may think you're on the right road and still end up dead. So four things that you and I need to stop doing, we must not be led by our culture, by our friends, by our circumstances, or by our feelings. So let's move over now because I like talking about this part of it so much more, and that is the positive side. Now, what are the things we need to start doing or continue doing if we already are? Number one, we must desire to be led by 
by God. We must desire to be led by God. I mean, it starts where we just say, you know what? That's what I want. I have this longing. And maybe it even flows out of a sense of desperation where we cry out, Heavenly Father, I know that you love me. I know that you've got a good plan for my life. And here's what I want to do. I want to know you. I want to know you. As the scripture says, in the power of uh, you know, of your resurrection and fellowship. I want to know you in your life, and I want to follow your plan, the plan that you have for my life. Now, I want to just do a quick time out right here, all right? Ask a question. You're watching right now, obviously. Those of you that are watching right now, how many of you are dog lovers? Dog lovers, just raise your hand. Just, yeah, I'm a dog lover. And you just, yes. In fact, you may say, my dog is right here watching you right now on TV or my phone or tablet. You're a dog lover. Now, let me ask you a question. And I've had some dogs over primarily when I was younger. What's it like trying to lead? Have you ever tried to do this? Have you ever tried to lead a dog that did not want to be led? How'd that go? Dogs, just like people, can be, can be totally uncooperative. You know, it's not easy to lead a dog that doesn't want to be led. It's not easy to lead a person, a human being, that doesn't want to be led. Speaking of dogs, uh, a couple of my friends on the staff, just a couple of days ago, we were talking about dogs, and they reminded me of an experience. Brent, you know, he wanted to have a dog, and we're like, okay, you can have a dog, and um, didn't have time to keep up with the dog. Now, let me just say this. I like the dog. Here's The secret is out. I like the dog. I just didn't want everybody else in the family to know how much I like the dog because I didn't want to have to take care of the dog all the time but when everybody was gone the dog and me we were buddies we were friends now he made me mad and this is what my friends reminded me of he he made me mad on a couple of occasions i can remember one time i've just got the habit before i go to bed walk into the little foyer and make sure the front door is locked before i go to sleep and on this particular day my whole family they're in the they're in the family room i can't see them they can't see me i'm walking across the tile and and i immediately my feet hit the tile and my feet come out from under me and I fall down on the tile and, and that wasn't as big a deal but all of a sudden I, I, I realized I had this sensation that I was laying in a liquid you're ahead of me aren't you now, I could clean this up if you want me to or tidy it up, or I can just tell you exactly what I raised my voice and said. This is what I said. I said, this better not be dog pee I'm laying in. I didn't know it. I was frustrated. They're smiling. That's exactly. Get another shower. I mean, sometimes dogs aren't cooperative, but you know what? Human beings often aren't cooperative. And if you don't want to be led by God, guess what? It's going to be very, very difficult for God to lead you. It's not going to happen. Look at this verse, Psalm chapter 40 and verse 8, the 40th Psalm. How I love, this is what ought to be the longing, the cry of our heart. heart. How I long to do your will, my God. How I long, how I love, rather. How I love to do your will, my God. Keep your teaching in my heart. I love to do. We want to be led. Do you love to do God's will? That's a question you've got to ask yourself. I've got to ask myself, do you love to do God's will, or is it more about your plans or my plans? 
One writer said it this way, God tends to speak to people who want to hear from Him. So what do we need to start doing? We must desire to be led. God, I love to do. You saw what the psalmist said right there in Psalm 40, verse 8. God, I love to do Your will. That's what I long to do. I've got this yearning, this craving, this longing in my heart. I long to do Your will. Number two, we must be willing to do what God says. If we're going to be led by God, we've got to be willing to do what God asks us to do. And this is, and you know it, is obviously uh, the issue of obedience. And it begins with an attitude, or it begins with a mindset that goes something like this. God, the answer is yes. Lord, I want to just declare to you ahead of time, whatever you're going to ask me to do, i telling you right here, right now, the answer is yes. Even before you ask me, even before you reveal your will to me, the answer is a given. The answer is yes. But you know what you and I sometimes do? You probably have done this. I know I have. Truth be told, we're often like this. God, show me your will for my life, and then I'll get back to you with my answer. Instead of having an advanced obedience mindset where, Lord, you just say the word, speak the word, and I'll do it. You just ask, the answer is yes. You reveal to me what you want me to do, the answer is yes. A lot of times we're like, okay, you know, because we all... We have our own will for our life many times, and we're like, okay, God, show me, reveal it to me, and then I'll get back to you, and I'll let you know. And maybe you're thinking, well, if God shows me his will for my life and I don't agree with it, what should my answer be? Well, you know that. The answer is yes. Well, what if I don't fully understand? I don't understand every nuance of what God is asking me to do, and until I understand it 100%, I'm not going to do it. Many times what God asks you to do, you're not going to have 100% clarity, and so the answer is, even if you don't fully understand it, the answer is yes. Well, what if I'm not ready? What if God says He wants me to do it, but I'm just personally like a dog that doesn't want to be led? I'm like, nope, not now. No, the answer that we say to God is yes. Well, what if I like my plan better than God's plan for me? Our answer to God is still yes. Jesus said this. These are the words of Jesus. And look at what he said in John 7, 17. He said, if people choose to do what God wants, that's where you and I ought to live. If people choose to do what God wants, they will know that my teaching, this is Jesus, comes from God and not from me. Choosing to do advanced obedience. So what do we need to do? We need to desire to be led by God. Secondly, we must be willing to do what God says. Thirdly, be sure you get this, we must follow God's word. We must follow God's word. Please be sure you get this. God's will is found in God's word. I know you heard it, but can I repeat it again? God's will is found in God's word. Do you know that the answer to many of your questions that you already have, big or small, is actually already given to us in the Bible? If you think back to school, when you were in school or if you're in school now, it's like having a textbook with all of the answers already provided in the back of the book. Do you ever have a book like that where there was a series of questions, but if you wanted to, you could go over to the back of the book and it would have the answer that would be provided? By the way, I tended to do better in those exercises when the answer was already provided. It's like what the Bible does. Psalm 119, 105. Look at this verse. Psalm 119, 105. Would you read this verse with me? Read it with me out loud. Your word is a lamp to guide me. God, that's what your word does. It's a lamp to guide me. That's what we're talking about. We need God's guidance and a light for my path. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
But you may say, well, you know, uh, Jeff, I've got you there. You said a moment ago that the answer to many of my decisions, big or small, is already given to me in the Bible, but there's a lot that I need specifics on that I don't have a specific answer. Maybe you say, well, I need to find, if you're saying the Bible has answers to my questions, I need to know the specific name of my future spouse. All right? I'll give you one. Barodak Baladan. Barodak Baladan. You said you just made that up. No, it's in the Bible. And if you know your future spouse is going to be Barodak Baladan, well, then that's already there. But, but God is not necessarily, when I say the answers, but God will tell you what kind of quality that you need to look for in, in a future husband or a future wife. Well, I, I need a very specific career choice or a field of study. I need, the Bible doesn't tell me exactly what school I need to go to, what job I need to take, doesn't tell me what pursuit I need to make academically. But no, this is what the Bible tells us, that God has given to us certain talents, and these are gifts from God, and He's given to us as gifts, abilities, and He's placed within us a passion. And you know what we do? It may not say in the Bible, you know, a specific chapter or verse, this is where you need to go to school, this is where you need to study, this is where you need to go to a job. It's not going to say that necessarily, but it will tell you that God's going to give you talents and abilities that are going to lead you in the right direction. Well, what if you say, I need to know the exact neighborhood that I should live in. I I need to know. I need God to get very specific. Well, the Bible's not going to answer that per se. Here's what the Bible will tell us to do. is not to put ourselves in extreme debt that we get ourselves in a situation that we, you know, we're just always stifled financially and we can't live generously and we're just always under pressure and stress. So there's guidance. It may not be a specific house on a specific street, but God will give us wisdom and direction. In fact, that's what James said. If a person lacks wisdom, let us ask of God who will abundantly pardon wisdom. God stands ready to give us wisdom. So we must follow God's word. Look at this verse, Psalm 119. 133, guide my steps by your word. How's God going to guide our steps? By his word, so I will not be overcome by evil. Let me give you one more. We must ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Do you remember having a guidance counselor in high school, somebody that would help you? I remember that very well where I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta, having a guidance counselor, going to her and you know, one, and I won't take the time to tell the story, but I wanted to graduate early, which I was able to do. And I got with my guidance counselor, and she helped me. Well, if you would do this, 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 then that would work. It was a, a, tr- a tremendous amount of help. The reason I mention that is this. Do you realize, do you realize that you have a guidance counselor for the rest of your life? It's the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse right here. One more verse. Psalm 27 and verse 11 says, Lord, teach me your ways and guide me to do what is right. See, God gives to us his word and God's will is found in God's word, but he also gives us the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is not trying to hide God's will from you. The Holy Spirit, it is not consistent with his nature that he would, he would treat you with a silent treatment. See, it's never really from God's vantage point or the Holy Spirit's vantage point in terms of guidance. Many times, the problem is with us. We do a poor job. We do a poor job maybe reading His Word. And it's God saying, hey, I want to give you guidance because I'm going to remind you of what you've read in my Word. And we're like, well, God, I can't remember. 
because maybe we've done a poor job reading his word or listening to his voice for those impressions or, or nudges or promptings. Well, we're about out of time, but I want to just close out with this story. Listen closely. Do you know what this word means? I think I'm saying it right. Spelunking. Spelunking. I've asked a few staff members around the church, do you know what it means? Some of them did, some of them did not. Some of you are saying, yeah, I know exactly what it means. Others of you are saying, no, that sounds illegal and moral. Spelunking, are you kidding? Well, let me share with you a story. John Ortberg, I love to read his books. And this is out of one of the books that he, uh, he wrote some time ago. And I want to share this story and then I'm going to pray. He talks about his friend, Danny. My friend Danny went spelunking in the caves of Iowa. And that's what spelunking means. It's somebody who's, it's, it means to explore caves. He said, uh, went spelunking in the caves of Iowa. The man guiding my friend Danny took him deep underground, then said he would lead Danny through a passageway into a spectacular chamber. The passageway, listen to this now, was small enough that Danny had to stoop at first. Then as it grew still smaller, he had to get on his hands and knees. This is what he's doing in a cave. Eventually, the only way to go forward was to lay on his back. Think about this. The only way, because he, this guy wanted him showing this spectacular view. As it grew still smaller, he had to get on his hands and knees. Eventually, the only way to go forward was to lay on his back and push his body forward with his feet. Then, then the ceiling was so low that when he inhaled, he could not move at all. He had to stop. Think about how he's lying. He had to stop, inhale and exhale, and only then was his chest low enough to allow him to move. By this point, it was physically impossible to back out. If the passageway had gotten any smaller at all, they would have lain there and died in the cave. And some of you, you're just hearing me talk right now, and you're sitting on your sofa in your recliner, and you're, you're having a panic attack. You're like, I, I can't hear this. But listen, listen. Danny is a skydiving, Ortberg says, a skydiving, mountain climbing, hang gliding thrill seeker. But there in that cave, he felt sheer panic. He was terrified. He tried fighting his fear, but he kept picturing his dead body moldering in the cave. Finally, he told his guide that he was about to lose it. And the guide said, Danny, close your eyes and listen to my voice. I will keep talking calmly and guide you through this. We will be okay. I have been here before. I will get you to the other side, but you must listen to my voice. It will not work for you to let your thoughts run wild. Just focus on my voice. Danny did so. What freed him from panic and fear was not trying hard to quit thinking fearful thoughts. It was listening to another voice. And then John Orberg writes this, what voice do you listen to when you're in the cave and it's dark? When the ceiling is low and you can't back out, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, longs to flow in our minds all the time. One reason he writes why people have found memorizing Scripture helpful is that it helps us listen to the voice of our guide while we're in the cave. And maybe that's where you feel today as we end. Maybe you feel like you're in a place where you've got to listen to God's voice. Maybe you're in a dark place. Maybe you're in a tight spot. And you're like, Jeff, I just, I just need God's guidance. I need God's help. God reveals his will in his word, and he sends to us the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. God, you see every heart. You know every mind. You know people that are watching right now, this very moment. And they're like, God, I need, I need guidance. I need, dis I need direction. I've got to make a decision. 
for many of them, it may feel like they're in a dark cave. They're in a tight spot. And I pray, God, that they will push out all the panic and all the fear and all the anxiety and all the clutter and that they will listen to your voice because you want to speak to them because you're a good God. You want to reveal your will to them. And I pray that you'll do it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. I love you. God bless you. We're praying for you. Think about you all the time. Hopefully we're back together at our South Campus very soon. We're waiting word. We'll be bringing you information just as soon as we have it. And hopefully that's going to be quickly. I love you, everybody. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.